Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Clayton in the Car. I'm Clayton Caldwell as I review uh, the Bush Clash and Daytona 500 qualifying here as we get ready for the resumption of Speed Weeks on Thursday at Daytona International Speedway. Um, not much to review about the Bush Clash, in my opinion. Um, there were a few things I think you got to keep an eye out for. One is what the bottom lane is going to do. It seemed like the high lane was the lane of preference for a lot of drivers and teams, especially when they went single file, which again is something that uh, we've seen in the last few years here, but forever when Daytona was, you know, we, about five years and prior to that, always it was the bottom lane in the draft. That was always the lane prior. It was, a sm- uh, you know, the, the quickest way around, the, the smallest distance around a racetrack. And now it seems like we have to keep the momentum up for, the, for these cars. So they run the high lane in the draft. Um, so I'm hoping that the Daytona 500, uh, we see the bottom lane come in a little bit better. Uh, we'll see about that, you know. But I thought yesterday's race was, man, it was a lot to take. You know, it's uh, certainly turned into a wreck fest. The Daytona, these restricted plate races are now that what well, they're no longer restricted plate races, I should say. They're uh, super speedway races. Listen, I hope the Daytona 500 is a little bit better than what we saw for sure on Sunday. I thought it was a wreck fest. Uh, it was a lot of strategy, which I, you know, I don't really care for in a 75-lap race. I don't really need strategy in that. Uh, to me, the Bush Clash is close to its death. Um, I just think, you know, these owners are going to put their foot down and say, hey, you know, we don't want even our backup cars. We don't want to destroy them, especially when you get into a, a situation next year where you're paying for those cars and you only got a certain amount you can have. And... Uh, you know, these teams are going to be, they don't want to tear them up. So maybe next year these drivers use their head a little bit. I understand where Kozlowski was coming from. I think Brad hit the nail on the head when he said, you know, it's really up to the drivers uh, that that make the decision on to whether or not um, crash or not. They're ultimately in control, you know, and it's been that way for a long time. I feel that way for a long time. You know, they don't have to pull the blocks on these guys. They don't have to pull their heads off their shoulders and get into an accident. He's absolutely right. You know, they're the... Uh, these cars and, and everything have become so safe now that these drivers don't even think twice about cutting in front of somebody's bumper at 200 miles an hour. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a good thing that, that these guys don't get hurt. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, they're also got to keep in mind that, you know, um, it just, you can still get hurt in those things. You know, and uh, it doesn't make for the best race when we see a demolition derby like we saw on Sunday. And honestly, that's what it was. I mean, Eric Jones, I've never seen a car in Daytona finish the way Eric Jones did on Sunday. Um, and that just shows you, you know, I, I'm sorry. I don't think the Daytona 500, I think it's a lot. Speed Weeks, and to me, Daytona National Speedway and everything that goes into it, to me, it's a lot better than just uh, a survival race. It should be more than that. Um, and hopefully on Sunday... Um, at the Daytona 500, and even Thursday during the 150s, it'll be more than just a survival race because uh, it is not exactly what I would consider fun to watch when everybody gets taken out. And, you know, if somebody who, because he didn't get wrecked hard enough or they didn't get wrecked hard enough and they were able to continue, and that's how they win the Daytona 500, not exactly what I would call ideal. Um, so hopefully uh, the, this package, you know, we, we'll get a little bit better idea on Thursday about how this package is going to work for the Daytona 500. Now, it's a night race, so it's not going to be 100% of what we saw. Um, But again, you know, 
Uh, I hope what we see on Sunday here in the Daytona 500 and on Thursday for the 150s is a little bit better than what we saw on Sunday. Uh, without getting too negative, that's all I'm pretty much going to say about the Bush Clash. Congratulations to Eric Jones and Joe Gibbs Racing. I mean, they go to victory lane, uh, but really, the, you know, I'm sure they will they'll take it. There's never a bad win, but I'm sure they look at it and sort of snicker on their way back to North Carolina today uh, and go, man, we kind of got away with one. So um, that's that. For Daytona 500 qualifying, a lot to digest here. Um, first of all, the pole sitter is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. out of uh, Olive Branch, Mississippi. Uh, Kroger Ford for JTG Dollary Racing. Um, unbelievable. I mean, if you would have taken uh, a poll of, of drivers and teams who would have sat on the poll for the Daytona 500, you know, I'm not too, I'm not sure too many people would have said Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Now, obviously they have a Hendrick engine, and uh, you know Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is a very good plate racer, but still, you know it's a one lap, and, and usually you want to see, you think you see Hendrick up there competing for a poll, and um, you know these bigger teams, and all of a sudden this smaller organization, JTG, I wouldn't say smaller, but this team that has had the resume that Hendrick or Richard Childress or uh, Team Penske has had or Joe Gibbs has had in the past, uh, to go up there and take the pole for the Daytona 500 is pretty impressive. Now, I understand they they focus very much on getting the pole for the Daytona 500. Brian Patty, according to Ricky Stenhouse Jr., cut a lot of different bodies out of that uh, 47 car all off-season trying to sit on the pole. It was Kroger pole day at Daytona International Speedway on on Sunday, so that's a big part of it as well. Um, I think they wanted to, to sort of impress their sponsor, Kroger, and they got a weak exposure on the pole for the Daytona 500. That's always been a prestige, you know, and, and I'm sure they sacrificed a little bit of their drafting package, which a lot of drivers and teams didn't really want to do, I'm sure. Uh, so on Thursday, that 47 might have some work to do, but listen, they got a whole race to really get their car right, a whole 150 miles on Thursday. To, to figure out how to get that car driving a little bit better and driving right, and I think they can do it. Um, and Stenhouse is a guy who's very aggressive on these restricted play tracks, but uh, that was some lap, and congratulations to that team. That's awesome they were able to do that. It's fun to have a different pole sitter for the Daytona 500. Uh, outside pole is Alex Bowman. Nice lap by him. Uh, again, we always expect to see Hendrick Motorsports, and they've been on this pole now. I think, like, Hendrick Engines have been on this pole like six years and maybe – uh, nine of the last ten, it's been really, really impressive to watch what Hendrick's done as far as pure horsepower is concerned um, at these Daytona National Speedway, at Daytona 500 qualifying. So uh, a very nice job there by that organization at Hendrick and the good engines they made. A uh, cu- couple of other notes here, obviously, for the uh, open teams, the go-or-go-home teams, as I refer to them. Two drivers qualified in of the seven. Uh, that, took, that took time for the open teams. The two drivers that qualified their way in really kind of expected, I would think. Uh, Justin Haley and Brendan Gaughan, they're in ECR engines. They qualified respectively on the field 31st and 33rd, so they weren't overly crazy, crazy fast, which is kind of surprising considering they were focused just on qualifying trim because they didn't want to run hard on Thursday. Uh, Gaughan even said in practice, listen, we're, we're doing everything we can to cut a quick lap. Um, and I know he was disappointed with his run, but, you know, 31st and 33rd isn't great. But listen, it gets them into the Daytona 500. They don't have to worry about it now. They can 
sit in the back in their 150s and hang out and not have to worry about it. The rest of the five, uh, they could be in trouble. Now, um, obviously, if, if Haley decides to run hard, it puts another guy and, and, and Haley, I, I don't think Gaughan's running hard at all in his duel. So I think Gaughan's going to sit in the back. I think he's more than comfortable with doing that. I think he's happy to start 40th on the field. As long as he's in the field, I think he's he's content. I don't think he really cares about running hard in his 150s. Haley, I'm not so sure about. Not sure what their idea is. Now, they might do the same thing considering it's a one-off deal or they're going to run some cup races. It's not a full-time deal. They're not really running for points. So they probably don't want to tear up a race car as well. So they're probably both going to fall back on their time, which would open up a, a wild, wild um, dual race for, for the remaining five. But let's just talk about the remaining five and where they were in qualifying speed. Uh, third of the go-or-go-home teams was Reed Sorensen out of Peachtree City, Georgia. Not a bad lap for that premium motorsports car. Uh, fourth was Timmy Hill uh, from Port Tobacco, Maryland. Um, Hill does a, did a great job. Um, you know, I thought at least beating some go-or-go-home teams and, and really put himself into a decent spot. Now, I know that's a Roush Yates engine, uh, but it's still uh, a, a nice decent lap for him. The guy I was really shocked about, and I know this steel came together late, and maybe they're not 100% uh, ready for Daytona, but Daniel Suarez, uh, fifth qualifying of the go or go home teams, which means he's going to have, he's got no other uh, chance to get into the Daytona 500 other than if he wrecks. Now, other than, I'm sorry, if he makes, if he qualifies his way in via the duels, you know, but what I'm saying is if he wrecks, he's done, he goes home. Um, so I would have liked to have a little bit of a safety net there. I would have loved to have done what um, Gone and Haley did if I was Suarez. That's a TRD engine. And he went out there and qualified below Reed Sorensen and below Timmy Hill. I mean, I, I don't care how long it's taken for that team to, to get there. If I'm Dave Winston, if I'm that 96 team, I'm extremely disappointed with the lap they cut on Sunday. I'm sure they were disappointed. I'm sure they'll sit there and go, well, it's a late-together deal, and they'll play it off. But deep down, walking out of that racetrack on Sunday, I'm sure they were a little disappointed considering, you know, they're not even third or fourth on the grid. They're fifth behind Timmy Hill and Reed Sorensen. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't like Sorensen cut an amazing lap or neither did Gone or Haley. You know, they weren't even, Gone or Haley weren't even in the top 30 in speed. And, and Suarez wasn't anywhere close to him. So I was really shocked. To me, that, that there's another driver who I'm going to point out to, too point out too who had a, a, a tough lap um but i'm shocked that 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 was to me um the the this lack of speed of that 96 car uh and the other drivers who need to qualify their way in chad fincham uh and jj yaley um you know listen uh there's no question i think they're gonna have their work cut out for him fincham and yaley i think fincham's not even gonna hang on to the draft i don't know if yaley is either uh just kind of surprising to see the teams that came down, you know, we, we were expecting a big Daytona 500 field, and there's no question. I think Reed Sorensen's sitting in a very good spot right now. I think he's probably the best car of the go-or-go-home teams. And it's really going to come down to me, Hill or Suarez, making the Daytona 500. Now, I haven't looked at, you know, I don't have the notes in front of me. Again, I'm in my car, so I apologize as far as who's in Duel 1 and Duel 2. But um, I, I believe, you know, the way the duels have cut out here, um, I believe that that... that you know, the duels are going to be in an interesting spot because, um, you know, it depends really who's running. Now, you got to remember, in duel one, we have uh, 
four cars that are going to qualify their way in. And in Duel 2, only three. Now, Duel 1, okay, I have it in front of me now. Duel 1 will feature um, just Justin Haley in the 16. It's going to feature um, Chad Fincham. It's going to feature uh, Reed Sorensen. And it's going to feature... Uh, Daniel Suarez. So those are the four in Duel 1. Haley, Suarez, Fincham, and Timmy. And uh, Haley, Suarez, Fincham. And you know, the odd number qualifiers... Haley, Fincham, and Sorensen. Haley, Fincham, and Sorensen. Uh, so there, there's your guys there. And in Duel 2, you're going to have Hill, Yelly, and Gone. And I mentioned earlier how Gone is talking about sitting out his, not sitting out his duel, but sitting in the back and really not running hard. So if you're Timmy Hill and you're looking at it saying, hey, um, you know, we're in pretty good shape because Yelly to me was so far off the pace, I don't know if he can even hang on to the draft. Now, I hope that's not the case. I think Yelly's a good driver, and maybe they can find something in the draft. But he might have a tough time, you know, considering it's not restrictor plates anymore, and you have to have speed to continue. So, um, Timmy Hill might be in the best spot of them all. But to me, again, it's uh, Haley, Sorensen, Fincham, and Suarez in Duel 1. Hill, Yaley, and Gone in Duel 2 of the Go-Go-Homers. So, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, a couple other full-time teams I was kind of surprised to see a lap cut one of them was and it's just on a disappointing side one of them uh, austin dillon now maybe they're a little bit cut for qualifying um but you know ecr was not very good this week uh for the first time in, in a long time that i can remember ecr engines have always been the standard or pretty close to the standard here on the plate tracks and they really struggled uh, in qualifying, now again, they, they might have, I'm sure they're going to have plenty of speed in the draft, uh, and they'll be fine, but just kind of surprising to see that team, those teams so low, uh, ECR powered teams, um, so low on the grid, considering that they're usually pretty high when it comes to Daytona 500 qualifying. Uh, another team I was a little disappointed about was Ryan Blaney. Again, he could be in the same boat as uh, the Dillons, which I think um, they are, but still, they didn't cut a very good lap. Team Penske wasn't very strong all in qualifying either again they could probably just sit there and go we, we want to race hard so we're not going to put the speed out but um kind of surprising to see blaney and dylan down there as well as daniel suarez those are the three that really stick out to me especially because suarez wasn't qualifying trim you would have to think um it's, it should be a fun week next time these cup tracks hit these cup cars hit the racetrack will be thursday night for their dual race and dual one and then uh, starts at seven o'clock and dual two at nine o'clock I'll be there, so keep keep in touch and talking in circles. Um, we'll be in, in Speed Weeks. Uh, we leave Monday night to head down to Daytona for Speed Week, so uh, keep it glued to talking in circles, to their Facebook pages, to their social media pages, um, and we will uh, bring to you the 60-second running of the Daytona 500. We'll have a pre-race show. We'll do all kinds of fun stuff here, um, hope, hopefully a little bit more, hopefully a lot of unique stuff here as we get closer and closer to the Daytona 500. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to Clayton in the car. We'll see you next time.